Brand new stop, 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 stop. If I'm leaving the job, I'm actually walking us into greater things. The reason why I was able to even propel this business is because I stopped working the job. I stopped letting them rob me of my time. If if we didn't have the job, I'd have so much more done. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what you came to see. Tweet Talk, episode 67. It's lit. Woo, time. Hot, hot. hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom was a beast when he used to play for the Clippers. Lamar yeah, Odom was number seven at one point in time. I'm trying to think. I remember when he was on the Clippers. They had a squad. They were young, some young boys. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of good draft picks. Darius Miles, even though Darius Miles didn't have a good career, but Darius Miles was he, they, he used to kill it. They also had Quentin Richardson. Right, uh, Quentin Richardson. They none of them were really great apart, but together. I mean, Lamar Odom was good, really good. I think they had Elton Brand too. Elton Brand was mm-hmm. really good. Those two were really good. Quentin Richardson was in between ish and Darius Mel was didn't have much going on. He was just a dunker really, but together they were entertaining. And they yeah. had good chemistry, they had good teamwork, they enjoyed playing with each other. They were fun to watch. And at that time, I remember their jersey was one of the hottest jerseys selling, that red, white, and blue. So they had the slam cover, I think it was, when they all had the durags hanging down with the bandanas around it. They were the they were killing they were like the coolest dudes in that point in time. Yeah, man. Was he seven? Was he number seven? Did you find him? He was number seven on the Lakers and number seven on the Clippers. Cool, cool, cool. And, on the, and he played on the Mavericks. I was thinking six, seven for Lil Wayne and that song he did with Corey Dunn. Six foot, seven foot or whatever it was. I hear you. Uh, Who else is number seven? Michael Vick. Episode Michael Vick. Ah, uh, Michael Vick. They tried I'm to tarnish not, his legacy, man. I've never a football guy, but they did Michael Vick wrong, man. They did. I don't know. They, they wrote his whole life over some stuff he wasn't involved in. Damn shame, man. He was a trendsetter. He was. He changed the game. Well, mm-hmm. there was nobody Sad like stuff, man. There was nobody like Michael Vick. Nope. No. Still, really, isn't anybody like Michael Vick. I mean, Lamar Jackson's close, but Michael Vick was the man. You say he couldn't. He was a good passer, but he had a gun on his arm, man. That much I know. I mean, Michael Vick taking it back. Episode 67. It's your host, Raphael Husbands. You can find me on Twitter at Work Money Life. Of course, I'm here with my co host, co creator, co founder, Charles Oglesby III, JD. You say the JD. You can find him on also, Twitter at Todd Billion. Okay. Also, Mr. Uh, didn't pay to get featured in Forbes. Be sure to, to Google that, folks. Charles Oglesby, hey, Forbes. So, billionaire spotlight. I just recorded a podcast, and we all know about Madam C.J. Walker. We also know about the lady that they portrayed as the the villain in her bio docu series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. However, what I learned, I just interviewed some people who were creating a Black History textbook. What I learned is the lady's name was actually Annie Malone. Yep. And she was a boss. Yep. She owned her own school. She had a bunch of products. She built her business from the ground up. She was an all-around great person. She owned like a block of property in Chicago. But what was so crazy about her story is she still built it brick by brick. And so he showed like the first house. So we're looking at the finished product. And we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could never get there. And then you see the first building she started with. It was just a little baby house. She probably lived in that house, probably worked to live in that house. And then the next house was a little bit bigger. 
And then her last house was like humongous. And so what I took from that is like she started a school. And so she was teaching people. And there's a lot of value that I've found in teaching people, not just mm-hmm. managing money for them, but teaching them how to manage their money. And then also like what I took from Adam C.J. Walker, it's just having that sales team, having the people out there pushing your product. And so we got to learn our own history, man, because there's so much empowering history that we are naive to. The other person I was going to uh, oh, talk about before I looked. One second, yeah. one second. Before we move on for uh, people, you got to look up Annie Turnbull Malone. She was the mentor for Madam T.J. Walker. Maybe she was going by her real name, Sarah Breelove. She created the blueprint. She created the product. She created the company, Puro Company. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, uh, Madam C.J. Walker actually stole the product, stole the formula, kept the same name and everything. And an interesting fact is that Madam C.J. Walker's company never actually made more money. And she... Even though she was a competitor for her whole life, she never actually made more money than Annie Malone and Turnbull. But yeah. but she but Annie Malone just didn't have the publicity. But she yeah. actually made. The crazy more part money. is, is like exactly you can't you can't outshine the master. But it's interesting that we barely even really knew about Madam C J Walker, mm-hmm. but we really didn't know about her. And what's also another fact is she was one of the first people to have like a Rolls Royce. And, and where she was from. And we always see that picture of Madam C.J. Walker and her big car. And right. the, the concept, the idea, and if you guys have read Black Fortunes, you would know this, but they always talk about Madam C.J. Walker being the first this, the first that. But in actuality, she was just the first person to be flashy with it. <laughs> right. So people had bread. They just weren't, they didn't want to get struck down. I hope if you right. were rich back then, would you want people to know that you're rich? No. You know what happens to people know they're rich? They start lying on you. <laughs> yeah. they, that's exactly what they do. If they can't, if they can't kill you dreams, they'll assassinate your character. And so they'll start lying on you, saying you did this, you did that, you did this, you fought dogs, all this other stuff to, to pull you down. I, I threw some Michael Vick there. Um, but yeah, read Black Fortunes. We've definitely talked about that on this yeah, show. Two times by Shamari Wills. Check it out. Uh, yeah. yeah. CJ Walker, she just had a friend who actually happened to be like a newspaper editor. And he started pushing the narrative that she was a millionaire, that she was the first female millionaire in America, all that stuff. I don't get it. I feel like we think that that first this is empowering, but it's really defeating because... First and foremost, you kind of are putting them on a pedestal by putting yourself on a pedestal. You're like, this is the first black person to do what white people have been doing. So we've talked about this before in the show, right. where if you're the first black, you're really like in last place still. That's not an accomplishment. And then the also thing is that a lot of times it's a lie. We saw um, Dame Dash, he posted something where they were talking about Michael Jordan being like the first black dude to buy a NASCAR team. And he showed some pictures, some dude we never even heard of who's been on the NASCAR team. So first black is a t- tactic. It is not an actual accomplishment. I don't know anybody who's ever seen somebody be the first black and be like, I'm next. You're just like, congrats to them. Good job. Now I'm gonna go back and continue to be a slave. Nobody <laughs> gets empowered by first black because it makes it seem like it's rare. It makes it seem like it, it was just like such a, an insurmountable feat. And so people are like, if it's rare, if it's difficult, I'm not even going to try. Uh, the funny thing is, too, they didn't even just call her the first black female millionaire. They call her the first American, first female millionaire period in America. I'm like, wow, that's, that was a stretch. How are you going to believe that? But yeah. anyway, you were, you, were, you were about to say, talk about somebody else? We're not. I'm going to save her for next week. Okay. Well, Wait, I was going to. They only get one. They'll, they only get one billionaire a week, Raphael. Well, I was I had one for them too. I had one for them too. But all right. Yeah. Well, save you. it. Save it, man. Save it. We gotta coordinate these billionaire billionaire talk. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not just hopping out there. Black billionaire spotlight. We got a, a hot one for you guys next time. And that might be like Saturday. I'm actually sure. going I'm going to Detroit this Saturday night at eleven o'clock PM, hopping on that flight, that red eye, that good old red eye, so I can go to sleep on the flight and wake up and get busy. I'm going to wake up at 6 o'clock, get my car, and I will have seen all of our properties before noon. And then I'll probably go to the property that we're finishing up, and I'll kind of like spend some time there. And then I'll go to the property that we're starting, and I'll spend some time there. But the crazy part about it is last time I went to Detroit, we are still working on the Oakman house. And the Oakman house has been done, been rented, which is amazing because I was like, man, I did that. And then I did another rehab, and now I'm starting a new rehab. Like, I'm really out here just rehabbing shit. This is crazy. Um, this is time for Tweet Talk, Stock Talk. 
Tweet Stock Talk, sponsored by Thai Capital <laughs> and the Thai Capital Options community. Man, I should pay us for, I should pay us. That's what people do. I should pay us to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, that's all, that's all people do that. I mean, like, oh, it's a write off. If you read some of the older, like, personal finance books, they'll talk about a big hack was to own the building that the, the, the business was in. And people said that's what really took them to another level, owning the building that the business is in. Now you're paying yourself rent. Right. Maybe and it's a write off. Or maybe just don't pay yourself rent at all. Or whatever. Whatever works. Okay. <laughs> so tweet talk, stop talk. Take it away. So what's going on in the market? You know, Tesla has gotten hammered. Tesla split at 500, and last I checked, they were trading like mid threes. I'm going to get a real number for you guys. I'm not just talking on my butt. They're actually trading at high threes. No butt talk. And they're actually, talk. Yeah, they're down 393. 393 is the current stock price, down from 500. What does that mean? That means it's down 20%. Long term, I don't think that matters. I feel, like there's, yeah, I feel like there's still a huge opportunity in the upside, but we, we got to – People, people out there trying to invest for the weekend. They're like, I'm just trying to make some money real quick so I can pull it out and then live my life instead of saying like, no, I might not see this investment for another 10, 15 years. And that's how you got to invest 10, 15 year outlook. Tesla in actuality has been at this for a long time. Tesla was founded in 2003. It's a 17 year old company. Isn't that crazy, Raphael? Tesla that's is good. a 17 year old company barely profitable. Right. A couple things before we move on. Uh, we talked about Elon Musk a couple of episodes back and you were talking about how he flipped business to business. I think you said eBay, but I think he started with PayPal. Well, maybe he didn't start. Right. It was pay- PayPal. It was, it, was, it was PayPal. It was PayPal and eBay bought PayPal. That's where I made that mistake. Oh, right. That is true. I forgot eBay bought PayPal. So he, when, when they sold PayPal, the whole PayPal mafia, as they call them, they all got dumb rich. Went on to start other companies like LinkedIn and others. So he took his money. He bought SpaceX and Tesla. If I'm not, if I'm correct. Uh, so he didn't like, even create. He didn't even create Tesla, did he? Oh, and that's the crazy part about it. He just co-opted it. He just he just bought it and then just ran it up. Applied his his wisdom to it and ran it up. That's that's boss moves. F starting businesses. We're going to start buying them. Also. What are your thoughts on, okay, you said they're down about 20% right now to stop. So I saw a post on social media somewhere. I didn't check it out to see if it was real, but they said California is looking to ban gas-powered cars within yeah. the next few years. What do you think that, how that's going to impact Tesla? and this? Um, I think it's huge for Tesla. And that's why I posted it. I posted it because I was like, do you see this? This is Tesla. This is Tesla news. It looks like California election gas-power news. Like, no, this is electronic car news. If you're right. banning gas, what's the alternative? I was just like, that's amazing to, to, to get to that extent that we're literally banning gas. Like, that's an aggressive stance to take. And yeah. I could definitely see Gavin Newsom doing that because he's a dick. I hate <laughs> Gavin Newsom. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, it's interesting. However, the, the market cap of Tesla is $361 billion. I would like to know how much of Tesla Elon owns. The moral of today's episode is don't be a dick. Um, I think Elon Musk owns 20% of Tesla. So that makes his net worth about 60 billion. And that's just one company. And I I was going to say that's just off off Tesla. Right. But the crazy part about it is that's why sometimes you want to be in different spaces because he might have thought SpaceX was going to take him there. He might have thought Solar City was going to take him there, but uh, this Hyperloop? is what I tell people: launch, yeah, like launch your shit. You don't, you don't know what's going to make you the big, big bucks. But if you launch a bunch of stuff, you're going to find out. That was another, another really inspiring thing in the conversation that I was having about um, Annie Malone and Madam C.J. Walker. Is we always think Madam C.J. Walker had that one product? No, she had products. Mm-hmm. She had and the she had the hot comb. She was selling her on hot comb. She had like a face powder. She had the Glossine, of course. She had another um, product. And then she also had some perfume. I think I said the perfume. And it was so crazy. And I know she had even more. And that is the myth that we're sold. We're sold that it was one product that took her there and as if she got lucky. Like, no, she did the same thing 
uh, Master P's doing. You got to launch a bunch of stuff. You got to put a, put a bunch of stuff out there. That's what I took from that. I was like, wow, that changed my mindset because for the longest time, I thought that it was just one thing, that one product that she stole that took her to the top when in actuality, she had a whole suite. Another thing that I took from that is she had like a free sample. And so she was giving out samples. And so there's a business game in our history. And that's why you got to read those books. Like that's, that's, the, that's the, the cheat code. The cheat code is reading books about AG Gaston. My entire business model follows AG Gaston's providing services to black people. That's my entire business model. I do things for black people, period. And there's other people out there. We got, I mean, I think a big part of the reason why I went to law school is because I read Reginald Lewis's book. He's an attorney. And Reginald Lewis, that's how he got his start in, in law. And they give you the path. You can read all the Kiyosaki you want to. You can read all the Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, but they don't exist in the same world as you. And so Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone could tell you, don't buy a house because it's dumb, but Grant Cardone don't got the same worries as you. You got different worries. You got to move differently. Right. Yeah, you got to think about it. Um, one of the biggest differences in the wealth gap is home ownership. So if you if black folks go around listening to Grant Cardone stuff talking about and Robert Kiyosaki talk, telling people, oh, a home is not an asset, blah, blah, blah. Grant Cardone said it's better to rent where you live. You got you to gotta peep game. I mean, I don't necessarily think that those two are saying that to harm us, but regardless of their intent, their advice will harm us. So, yep. you know. Yep. 100%. So Elon Musk, big billionaire. And it's funny, too, because I saw a story also where he said he decided to sell like all his homes and become a renter. He put mm-hmm. up like seven homes for sale for a total of like $137 million. Like seven homes, $137 million. Any more on the stock talk? Um. I would, I would just say that we've been seeing some recent sell-offs, very heavy sell-offs, like a 900-point loss on like Monday or Tuesday, and then another pretty steep sell-off. And a lot of people are looking for that stimulus. They're looking for something that's going to prop up the economy, or they're looking for a vaccine. I don't want a stimulus. I don't want us to be artificially propped up because eventually that bubble is going to pop. And so... You don't want to just keep blowing air into the bubble. You want to kind of let the air out and then let the vaccine fill it up. If we got to wait, if we got to be patient, we're here for five to 10 years. This is not the get rich tomorrow game. If you want to get rich tomorrow, we have ways that you can make money in the stock going up or going down. That's the beautiful thing about options is you can make money when it goes up or down. So I would just say that's one thing, but also look for value, seek value. I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but Value is, buy, is buying a quality stock at a discount, quality companies at a discount, companies that should not be trading for a certain price, but are trading lower due to current news. Recently, I bought into DRI, which is Darden Restaurant Group. They own Olive Garden and they own a bunch of other companies. They made 10% today. I put 25 grand in there, so I made like 2,500. It's not much, but I'm just happy I did it because I was like, yeah, that's how I invest. I'm going to buy the stuff that the news hates because they reported earnings and they were up like 100%. Because what did they do during coronavirus? They pivoted. They didn't just sit down and be little bees. And you shouldn't be sitting down being a little bee during this time. You need to be expanding right now. While everybody else is contracting, you need to be expanding, running forward, gobbling up whatever you can. Those are the people that get rich during a recession. You don't get rich during a recession listening to the news and being a little baby and sitting down waiting to die. You get rich when you pivot they started doing things. They were, they were selling like whole take-home meals, Raphael. They're like, okay, I know you guys can't come here and eat, but you can pick this up and you can take it home and you can bake it at home. And you can eat it there. Or they were just made it super easy for people to have pickup, uh, pickup and takeout. Olive Garden was really like the only restaurant that was open for so long. Like we had Olive Garden like once a week, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> I wouldn't even really like particular. I mean, we, we like Olive Garden, but not that much. Like right. not that much. Nevertheless. I made some money there and I made money all throughout in my whole value portfolio. So I see Tesla. So I see D- D- uh, Darden selling at 50% discount, knowing that if it goes back, I'm going to double my money. I, my eyes are there. I'm looking at the discounted stocks. I'm not looking at the stocks like Tesla that let's say we're now we're betting on it to go higher and higher and higher. That's a fool's errand. I'm going for the guaranteed 100%, not the speculative and hopeful 100%. And so that will be my stock talk is seek value. That's what I'm doing. That's what I've had success doing. And I think that we're there for a reason. Warren Buffett invested that way for a reason. 
Yeah, so if you guys want to learn more about value investing, check out the Todd Capital course, Crisis Money, at toddcapital.co, or you can find it in the show notes. Please read the show notes, Lit. people. Put good stuff in the show notes. I don't even read the show notes. I should. You put links in in there and everything, links to the books, links to whatever, you know. So as you guys may know, may or may not know, this is Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, and every episode we dissect some tweets and we talk about building black wealth. <laughs> so let's get into these tweets. Charles, where are we going to start here? You said, you don't need less money. You actually need more. Run it up. Um. I think I was talking about taxes there and I don't think we've talked about taxes on here recently, mm-hmm. but I had a whole kind of stream of tax tweets because I had this thought. I was like, my mom, who's a CPA and I have literally been thinking about how I'm going to deal with my taxes since maybe June. Um, so we've set up brand new entities. I have like Thai capital as an actual corp now. Oglesby Holding is an actual corp now, and we're running everything through there so I can then benefit from the lower tax rates the corporations pay. And so most corporations pay about 20% tax. And so I'd rather be paying 20% tax than self-employment tax and tax is going to go to somebody who ends up being a high income earner. Now they're taking 45% of my income. That's not how the wealthy do things. The wealthy have their money go into a corporation and then they take a salary. It don't take that much to live, but at least I know that I've protected my wealth and then I put that wealth to work. And so these are the kind of thoughts that avail themselves when you do one of two things. When you have a bunch of money to protect, you tend to become motivated to do the research to learn how to protect that money. So if, you, if you're just over here trying to get a $5,000 refund, you don't really care about what the tax code says. But if you have a half million dollars that you're trying to make sure they don't take, I guarantee you, you'll be motivated to listen to podcasts, to hire consultants, to pay somebody to set up corporate entities for you. Like the money that I paid them to set that stuff up pales in comparison to what I could be spending if I just had to write a fat ass check to the government. And so what I realized is having money allows you to pay less money. People think that it's the opposite. People think, oh, you make a bunch of money. So that means you got to give it all the way to the government. No, I made a bunch of money. So now me paying somebody $10,000 to solve my tax problems is actually me saving money. But if you only make 60 grand a year, you know, you can't, you ain't cutting somebody $10,000 to do anything for you. <laughs> and so I feel like our mindset is messed up. I feel like our mindset is, oh, well, I don't want to deal with the rich people problems. So I'll just not get rich as opposed to saying, um, I'm okay with dealing with rich people problems because I know that rich people can afford to pay for their problems. So instead of me staying small, I'm going to actually run it up and get richer so that then I can actually have less problems. I don't think rich people are like, I want to be less rich because rich people, like poor people have it easy. Like, no, poor people think they have it easy. Middle-class people think they have it easy. Rich people problems ain't really problems. They're actually just like a nuance. They're like, ah, problem. Somebody call my accountant. Somebody call my lawyer problem. Get out of here. They ain't dealing with that. They just got to cut the check. I just want to cut checks, not be stressed. You don't got no money, be stressed. You'd be like, how am I going to pay for this ticket? This is crazy. How am I going to pay for that? This is crazy. Get a bag and you can get a bag by actually listening to what I say and getting you some product and putting that product out there and continuing to promote and advertise that product. So then you can do the stuff for free. I would rather do a podcast for free that reaches thousands than do a one-on-one console. Mm, the impact is more, is way different. Exactly. And it's like you, the whole tax talk, you, you said it in the tweet, paying someone 10,000 to save you 500,000 is money well spent. And the thing is, this is this is rich people talk. This is this is what rich people talk about. How do I lessen my tax burden? And I just feel like it's it's dope to know that stuff. That's next level thinking to know the tax code inside and out. Like that's that's some wealth talk. Like broke people don't care. They care about LeBron's stats. LeBron ain't paying your bills, man. But you're not even motivated to learn the tax code because it really didn't have any impact on your life. Right. And so I have to be, you have to become greater to become richer. You can't just be the same person. I put out a quote and I was like, you don't chase wealth. You attract wealth by what you become. So therefore, if you see somebody listening to a podcast, reading a book, getting that extra degree, going to those different events, they're just improving themselves. They're becoming greater. They're becoming better. And it's funny because 
there's this girl on my Facebook. I've seen her on my Facebook for years. And she's always posting pictures. And I think she works as like a cocktail server at this, uh, this casino down by where I used to live. And I was like, I've been following you for like 10 years and you ain't done nothing but just be fine. I was like, Grant, you're an attractive young lady. But like, what have you done besides just be fine? Because people put so much energy into being fine or to knowing all LeBron stats or to knowing all the hottest rap artists or going to all the concerts or just traveling and going on vacation to acting like they're rich instead of actually just becoming somebody of substance. Read the tax code. I got it at the house. I'm about to be, I'm about to be in it. My holiday reading is the IRS code. You know what I'm going to do after I learn that all? Create a course. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> it's funny because you, you said like people don't learn because it don't, doesn't impact them like that. But, um, you know, rich people talk about how do I, how do I save 500,000 taxes while poor folks are trying to figure out how to keep their welfare check? Like how, can, how many hours do, do I have to work and still keep my check. Like, gotta make sure I don't do any overtime. I gotta make sure I call out. I don't come to work one day a week. Just keep my income at a certain level, so I don't lose my 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 welfare, my Section A or what have you. You know. But like you said, I mean, Jim Rohn said it. Like everybody should aim to be a millionaire, but not for the million dollars. For what becoming a millionaire will will turn you into what you will become. Right. You know? But um. It's funny. One of my friends, one of my friends, he was, um, I think I went to college with him. And after we kind of like finished hanging out, he was like, he said something. It wasn't just about me. It was about like all of us because my entire circle is very accomplished. And he was like, every time I leave hanging out with my friends, like I just, I just realized how smart we are and how advanced we are because we just continue to advance. We continue to become more educated. Like I wasn't always a lawyer. <laughs> I didn't always have half an MBA. I didn't always have all these things going for myself. But my mindset has always been there. And it's just it's interesting because it is, it's what it will make of you. The the person that you become by just improving is a better person, which is going to make you a better husband, which is going to make you a better father, which is going to make you a better son, make you a better uncle, better nephew, all these things. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my mom because my dad was kind of criticizing me about um, coming to Atlanta. And he was like, oh, if you're in Atlanta, you should have came and saw your friend, your, your family. I was like, bro, my responsibility on Saturday is to get this damn truck. I didn't come here to have dinner on Saturday, but on Sunday I got y'all. But he was just, my dad and I don't really think the same on a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, and so I was talking to my mom and she was, she was saying like, oh, cause he didn't say it to me. He said it to my mom. He was like, yeah, your dad was like, he was, he was kind of criticizing you saying like, if he hadn't come and picked you up, that you probably wouldn't have come and seen anybody and you don't pick up his phone calls no more and blah, blah, blah. I was like, first off, my responsibility is to Nolan and the Kia O's. First and foremost, I got two right. people that I have an obligation to provide for. That's period. True. Ain't nobody doing it for me either, Raphael. My dad ain't over here like, oh, you got the truck in Atlanta. Let me go ahead and hook it up for you, even though he has the skills. And so, but notwithstanding, I was like, mom, like, I could kill it across the board. I was like, I'm a dope husband. I'm a dope father. I'm a dope brother. I'm a dope son. I'm a dope uncle. I more than exceed all my responsibilities in those spaces. So I don't really care what nobody has to say about me because sometimes people just be criticized. And that's why I was like, man, you could do everything right and they're still going to criticize. That's what I took from that. I was like, bro, like, I really be killing it. And they still found something to criticize me for. But such is life. I still got to be the bigger man because I'm the bigger man. Bro. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get, get, get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit getlacelaces.com or check us out on Instagram at getlace.com. 
underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. And I mean, it's amazing how I mean, you've touched on this before. Like, how smart our people are, man. Like, we have some smart people, man. If they had millionaire problems, they will figure it out. Mm-hmm. If they had to figure it out, they they would, man. They could. You also touched on this the stress of being poor. You had a um a tweet saying it's easy to sleep with the money right. Man, um, first off, that was a rap song. But I was, I heard it and I was like, it is, I mean, granted, my hardest part is not staying here too late. Cause if I stay here too late, it's a wrap, but I wouldn't even say sleep. It's just easier to, to do certain things. Like when I wasn't really in a financial position that I would like to really like, that I felt comfortable in, people would invite me to go on fishing trips and I'd be like, nah, I can't go. And, and it wasn't even that I didn't have the money. It was that I just didn't feel comfortable taking leisure time when my money wasn't where it needed to be. Even though I was working a job, had other sources of income, all that stuff. And so I would say it's not even just easy to sleep. It's easy to take a vacation. It's easy to take a trip. It's easy to take your wife on a random $100 lunch. It's easy to put your son in swimming lessons. It's easy to live life when the money is right. You're not constantly stressed. You're not anxious. You're not worried. And so, I mean, granted, even when I am doing those things, I expect to be getting paid. So when I was fishing, I was expecting to get sales and I was promoting and I was advertising. And I was getting them sales. I wanted to be making money even on the boat. And I did. But before I would never do stuff like that. I'm telling you, I would literally get invited on fishing trips. I was like, no, nah, I can't go. I was just working. I was hustling. And I was like, even if I'm not literally working in that moment, I need to be focused on work. I need to be focused on what I can create, what I can build. And that's just, I mean, the freedom that comes with being established, which came from selling a bunch of products. So you had another tweet. You said, if you know so much, why aren't you rich? Um, another rap song. <laughs> but it was uh, it was like, if you know so much, why you inwards ain't rich? And a lot of times in our culture, we put age on a pedestal. We make it seem like because I'm older than you, I know what's right for you. And when it came to the barbershop, I just got a bunch of opinions and feedback. And people were just like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that with this. You should do this. You shouldn't do this with this. You should do that with it. And I was like, but y'all ain't business owners. I was like, and all this sounds like is limiting advice. They're like, oh, well, you should get rid of this truck, get another one. And this is just one element of people speaking on the stuff that I'm doing. But it's just interesting because you run into so many people that want to debate with you and they want to argue with you and they want to tell you what's what. And this happens to me all my life. And I wasn't really able to kind of like stand tall in my beliefs, although I did. Now I do it with proof. Now I do it with, no, I've done this. I've accomplished this. I'm not telling you this in theory anymore. Like my theories aren't theories anymore. Right. And that's not even to brag. It's like I always knew it was coming. But the thing is, is you don't get to this level at 25, contrary to popular Negro belief. Mm -hmm. You get there at around 33, the Jesus year. And then it just starts to kind of kind of explode. If you looked at anybody who's really ever had success, it happens in their 30s. The young success that people talk about is a myth. I wish they'd stop chasing it and just put in the groundwork. I just, it just doesn't, you'll be frustrated. You'll be over here like, man, I'm not making six figures yet. Why am I not making six figures yet? And then you're just pissed off and they think it's the world. Like, no, you just ain't old enough yet. And so that's all it was. It was like, I hear so many people that they have so much to say. They, they, um, they have these strongly held opinions, even on race issues, all this stuff. I would even say it's not even rich in money. I would say it's just rich in, in living a peaceful life, living a happy and clean life. A lot of the ideas that I perpetuate on Twitter didn't, and it didn't stem from me. They came from my family or they came from my, they came from my immediate, like my parents or my grandparents who have always lived well in America as African-American people. How do they do it? by the guidelines and principles that I outline, which are the same guidelines that I live by. I live a very peaceful life. And so, but there's people who will come online and they'll tell you like, well, black people shouldn't be treated like that or black people shouldn't have to do this or do that. And I was like, yeah, they probably shouldn't. They shouldn't have to, but if you do these things, you're going to live a good life in America. So do you want to live a good life in America or do you want to like force your agenda through? 
because you could still have dignity and and not have to like beat people over the head with your ideas and your opinions. And so for me, I look at, and I've always said this, I was like, I'm just telling you what's worked for my family. I didn't make this stuff up. You can argue with me if you want, but most of the people that argue with me don't come from it. They don't come from families who live well, drive well, do all that stuff. They come from tone talks. Tone talks, both of his parents are like cracked out. So his opinion about what is possible in Black America is tainted. He hasn't seen Black people do it. I just interviewed a girl on a podcast, the girl who owns the two uh, 7-Elevens. Guess what? Her dad owns three McDonald's. So what do you think her expectations and views of life are? They're not the same as somebody with some parents who didn't do shit. Same Black person, same America. Their views are going to be way different, but the Black person who doesn't come from it is going to be so convinced that their views are right because it lets them off the hook. People want to believe their narrative because it, it makes them, it lets them off the hook. They don't got to do this stuff that's uncertain or difficult. They just get to do what they've already seen, which wasn't anything. The reason why I am where I am is because my mom is accomplished. I have cousins who they don't necessarily have parents who are accomplished and I can see it in them. And it's unfortunate. I'm blessed in that regard. Like, I don't take that lightly at all. Same grandparents, but it's, we have parents who did something different. My mom, she decided, okay, I don't want to do all this hanging out stuff. I want to, I want to achieve something in life. And so she started going to school. She started doing all that stuff. And that's the example for me. Now I know what's expected of me and I just follow in those footsteps. I am blessed. But this, you can't tell me what's not possible for us if I've seen it. But they do it all the time. Even with the Breonna Taylor situation. Like I was, people were just like coming for me. I was like, I have an opinion that's different than yours and I'm still black. But that doesn't mean that I'm anti-us just because I have a different opinion. Like my, my opinion is still a black opinion. It's just a different black opinion. Right, 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 right. And you start off saying, um, you know, people feel they could comment on stuff because they're older than you. And you also touch on the fact that, and this is not just black people, but America in general, and America has influenced the world in this aspect, like this, this worship of, of youth, whereas like, you got to make it in your 20s to be a millionaire, to be worth something. Like, like, what are we thinking? Like, this thing doesn't come fast. Or if it comes fast, it usually doesn't stick around. Like. Yeah. Are you going to feel unaccomplished and worthless if you don't make it by 30? Like, are we going to throw away anybody who is a millionaire by 40? Like, if somebody doesn't have their money right by 40, we, do we just throw them away? Do we just degrade them and downgrade them and say they ain't shit? Pretty much. You ain't shit. <laughs> you know, like, we got to change our thinking, man. You know, and you touched on this one a little while ago, and this is also about changing our thinking. You, you said in a tweet, if you put all your energy into looking good, you might get attention, but you don't ever really increase your value to society. Um, I feel like we talked about that, man. I talked about that earlier. Pass. I got to pass on that one. Yeah, don't want the hate on that one. But um, you also had a tweet saying you're supposed to go further than your parents. Um, so I had this thought today as I was in the office and the firm order that I work with he just bought like a $20 million house in Beverly Hills. But for so long, he owns like a $3 million house in Beverly Hills. His dad owns a $3 million house in Beverly Hills. And what I realized is he took it further than his dad did. And I thought that was so dope. That, that was it, the inception of this tweet. I was just impressed because, yeah, his dad accomplished a lot and he took it further. And so I, I relate that to my own life. I'm like, I was already talking to my wife. I was like, this house isn't our last house. I was like, so we buy this house, which is already in kind of a better neighborhood than her parents' home. And also like in a, in a, in a different area than where my parents live. Like our home is, our home value is more than my parents and probably like double her parents. And I'm like, we're still not done. We're still turning it up. And for the longest time, my parents were my ceiling. I used to see my parents as if I just become as successful as them, I'll be good. We always hear that stat and it talks about how like black children from middle class parents don't always make it into the middle class. And so for me, I thought just making it back to where they were was an accomplishment. And this is why we got to stop listening to the social media stuff. I was walking into, I was walking into my office and I saw this taller African-American gentleman and he was dressed very well and he had a suit and I could tell he was an attorney. And I was like, black Twitter would have you believe that these kind of people don't exist. But there's a lot of black professionals out there. There's a lot of black wealth people out there. 
but the narrative that's pushed is so defeated and helpless and hopeless such that you would just think that we just all out here ain't shit. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it gets inside of all of us. It gets inside of me. And I know it gets inside of other people. And it's not because it's true. It's just because that's what they're selling us on. And it's, it's scary because I, I pride myself on being like, not that guy. I've always prided myself in, I know I can accomplish the things, I can do these things. But then you get around just this narrative and it just sounds so anti-progress, like nothing's ever possible. And so I, I started to kind of believe that from my life. I was like, man, I just want to get my, my parents are accomplished. I was like, if I can just get that, I'm good. But that's not success. And what I've been seeing is I have taken it further than them because I'm standing on their shoulders. I'm not guessing. I feel like in a lot of ways, they were just, they were just figuring it out because, yeah, my mom came from a good family, but my stepdad, he didn't come from, a, from the best family. So he was guessing in a lot of ways. He was just figuring it out. He just knew he wanted a good life. He wasn't one of those people who's like, oh, because you know how like you can have two kids. You can have the kid who has the alcoholic. So you can have both kids have an alcoholic dad. One dude becomes an alcoholic because that's all they ever saw. And the other dude abstains from alcohol because he didn't want to be like his dad. And so I felt like my stepdad was that kind of person. He just knew he didn't want that life. And they're accomplished. But now I just have used everything they've used to take it that much further. And so that's all I would say is for anybody listening to this, that should be your goal. Your parents should not be where you land. They should be where you start, even if they don't actually start you off. And a lot of our parents aren't starting us off. They're like, you 18, Negro, get out of here. Especially African-American men. Right. Stand on their shoulders. See what they're doing right. It might be only one thing. And take that little nugget and go from there. Um, so you had a tweet. You said, giving away all the game will attract imitators. But when you innovate and level up, you'll be even more ahead. Yeah. Um, it's just funny because I, when I, I take a lot from like Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, which is a kind of, contra- kind of a contradiction for what I was talking about earlier. But I realized like they laid the blueprint for me. Literally all the stuff that people see me doing is because I saw them doing it. So they had a podcast, they had a blog, they had social media, and then the content that they were putting out there was just giving you the game. They're just like, this is what you should be doing in regards to sales. This is what you should be doing in regards to content. And so I picked it all up. And so I took the same approach. I gave away a bunch of game. I was like, okay, this is what you do in regards to investment clubs. This is what you do in regards to why you should create a podcast in the first place. This is what you do in regards to all these different things. And I got a lot of people copying me. And I was like, damn, investing in Detroit, investing in uh, vending machines. I gave away so much game. But then I realized like, I leveled up on folks. Like I got to the point where my community is bigger than the investment club could ever be. And it's paid. It's not like I, I sent an email to the investment club, the OG investment club. You might've got the email and it know. had like the current, it had the current balance of all the stocks that we own. And it also had like everybody's breakdown. Cause for the longest time, nobody knew we just went dark and it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. It was just, it just happened. Cause it was, just, it wasn't paying me shit, but I pivoted from that. And so I, I, I feel like giving away the game allows you to grow your brand. That's why I did it. Eric Thomas was like, discover your gift or find your gift and then give it away. And so that's why I did it. I did. I gave it away to create a lot of different things, to create a track record, to create connections, to actually get in the business of doing that. And now that I'm in the business, I can charge for stuff. And that's the thing. A lot of people hold on to their gift. They're like, I don't want to tell you what I know because then you'll know what I know and they'll be just as good as me or better. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that doesn't matter. The world is so big. There's literally thousands of people who have taken my options course. And some of them went off to do it way better than I could have ever imagined. And I'm happy for them. But I still benefit in that situation. I made money selling the course. I make money being able to market their success to bring in more people for the course. Um, I created a community. Um, I have consulting. I have all these different things that we just add value to people's life. Like the community, quite honestly, was a fluke. I just did it because I needed to do it. But what I found out is it kind of speaks to the whole vertical integration thing. I was actually listening to the Be Real Estate podcast. I listened to his his episode of Millionaire Mindsets. And he was talking about how when you are vertically vertically integrated, you don't like the the next business you start doesn't have to deal with the stress from the first business, which is kind of something we've talked about here before. And so the reasons why the options community thrived is because 
I took the success of the options course and I put it onto a community. So the community has a constant flow of new people that I can put in there, which means the community was able to scale very fast. And so um, I would just say that I was able to pivot and grow what I was building because I had to stay on my toes and it was stressful and it was frustrating and I made comments about it, but I I landed here. And so now it's like, where are we going to land next? You got to give your gift away, but know there's better things on the horizon for you. Know that you're going to iterate, you're going to create, you're going to learn, you're going to expand more. But if you never give any away, nobody will ever know you exist. People know we exist from the free podcast and they might listen to a hundred episodes before they ever buy anything, but they might eventually buy something. Right, right, right. And you said something interesting too. Uh, people, you got, you got to be willing to take the risk of when you share your gift, somebody might take it and become better than you at it. Like, and just accept that. Like, we all different people with different gifts and they might take what you give them and run with it and go further than you will. You know, you're still going to have your spot you still have your spot. You got to be able to be content without being satisfied, you know? Uh, you got be- yeah. I, I just wish more of us would do that. I don't understand why we're all so selfish with, with what we have, we know. I tell people, there's people who probably listen to this right now. I'm just like, you are selling something that's not your lane. You have a specialty. If you package that up, you could explode. But they don't want to do it because they're just like, no, I work too hard for this knowledge. I work too hard for this. But the thing is, is even if you share it with people, you'll still never, they'll still never know everything that you know. Right. I tell people like, you know what I told you, you don't know what I know. And that's why I have so many more products behind what I've done. Cause you only know what I've told you. There's a lot more to me. The funny thing is you could, even if you try to tell people everything, you know, you give them all the game in the end is like, wow, this information is great, but it's so much, you know what? Let me just pay you to do it for me. Exactly. Even if you teach yeah. them how to do it themselves, they say, ah, I don't want to do all that. Or I don't mind doing that, but I got this other stuff going on. So let me just pay you to do it for me. So set it up and let me go do something else. But you have a tweet. Oh, before I go on to the next tweet, I see there is a new product. <laughs> yeah, we oh, dropped the talk recourse. You're talking about the recourse? What are you talking about? Not the oh, recourse. the real estate course. Yes. Yeah, so um, I partnered up with Renaissance. We're going to run that as a special. And it's a great course. This guy put a ton of effort into this. It's great production, great audio, great information. It's like 20 videos. I haven't even been able to upload all the videos. It's like 20 videos, high quality videos. Everything you need to know about real estate is in this package. And we're about, we about to crack people's head open because I told him, I was like, if you come to Tide Capital, we got to make it affordable. So I'm still waiting on his response to my request. We'll see what he says. But hopefully the pr- he on the price on the price. Yeah. If we can get it out there for like 40 bucks, it'd be a wrap mm. because you got to realize like people, people, um, there's a bunch of real estate stuff out there and you're competing with a lot of people. So sometimes you got to compete on price. So just overlook it. They're like, yeah, um, I would like to know this, but I don't know if it's worth the risk of me spending $125, but people will take a risk on $40. And that's why you price our products affordably. You get more people taking a risk. And uh, and we always hide behind it a ton of value, but um, that's that's the game plan. That's the strategy. That's how I realized. Like when the options course was like four hundred bucks, yeah, I got a, a few people who bought it, but I made even more money when I sold it for ninety seven, and I made even more money when I sold it for fifty. It's like an inverse relationship. We as a community think that you make more money selling expensive stuff when it's actually you make more money selling cheap stuff. Ford makes more money than Rolls Royce. Right. Walmart makes more money than Nordstrom. Walmart is expanding. Amazon is expanding and Nordstrom is shutting down shop. Mm. And we got to like, we feel like lowering our prices lowers our value to society for some reason. We're just like, oh, I shouldn't have to. I don't want to like, even with the, um, with the mastermind, I think I'm gonna drop that price to like $19 right now. It's like a hundred and we dropped it to 50. And I was like, let me drop it to like 19 because I want people to be in there just to take a shot with us. Come in and take a shot with this. We'll blow your mind and then we can raise the price if we decide to. I don't want people deciding like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And what you'll realize is you'll get so many more people at that number. So right now we might have 10 people paying the 50 or the 100. I guarantee you I can get it to 100 people paying that 20. So what does that math look like? 100 times 20? Let's see. Calculator. Right now we're bringing in like 1,000 a month. But let's say if I bring in 100 times 20. That's 2,000 a month. That's two thousand a month, 
and nobody feels like they're getting fucked. They're just like, all right, I could invest $20, $20 in my stuff. We'll get way more people in there. And I'm going to tell them, sure, we're going to lower it to 20 bucks and we're going to rent it a special on Friday. We have a brainstorm session right now. And the goal is even 100 people. I mean, 100 people at 20 bucks, the goal is even more. But the goal is to charge 20 and over deliver. So imagine we got 1,000 people in this business mastermind. Imagine we got 2,000. That's really the goal. I'm, I, need, I need five figures a month. And so sometimes you got to map it out. Like I need 10,000 a month from this project. How many people do I need to get that? I need 500. Can I get 500? Can I get 500 people if I got 120,000 followers on Instagram? I think so. Got to reverse engineer your problems, people. No. Simple man. Simple man. And buy a Rolex. <laughs> and then all the money's gone. But mm-hmm. then you're shining. Maybe not. You're shining. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Oh, that reminds me. Um, you said Amazon. I mean, Amazon just put just a story that came out that Amazon is looking to create seven thousand jobs in New Jersey, mm. and I heard they also try to open up physical locations like stores. So you might think you might think retail is dead, but I don't know about that. Maybe it's just going to change. I don't know about you, but after being locked up indoors for months and months, I don't want to keep buying shopping for stuff online. I don't like to. Honestly, I feel like that's what's lost the appeal. I just, it was cool in the beginning, but now it's like, I don't want to wait two days for this. Give right. my stuff now. Let me try on the stuff and decide if I want it right there and then. I don't want to deal with shipping stuff back and then wait for you to ship me back the right size. No, thank you. And that's funny when I, when I see they got the stores open now, but they don't want you to try on the stuff in the store. Mm. What kind of nonsense is that? It's like, you think I'm going to take this home and put it on and it's not the right size? You think I'm just going to shrug my shoulders and say, oh, well, I'm bringing that joint back. So whatever germs you thought I was going to put on there, if I tried it on in the store, it's still going to be on there when I bring it back. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) You said, I think this, no, this is not the last week, but you said the only guarantee at the job is you are guaranteed to not be able to afford life at the level you choose to live on. Yeah. It's it's funny because I was thinking, I was like, you know, what what exactly are we leaving when we say we're leaving the job? Like, usually we're not leaving the life we're really fulfilled with. And so I was like, that's very interesting to me because this watch I got on, I wanted to watch like this for years and I could never get it from the job. And the headphones I got on now, the computer I'm using right now, the car I'm driving right now, the liquor that I be drinking, the, the cologne. <laughs> I've always wanted this and I can never get it into my business blew up. The office, I can never get it into my business blew up. I think it's by design, but what I'm finding is like that job that we're so beholden to and that we're so afraid of losing isn't even giving us the life that we want in the first place. So why are we so in love with it? Why are we so attached to it? It's not fulfilling us. I don't know anybody who has a job that's like, I'm just so financially free right now. I can live how I want to live. I can drive how I want to drive. Like, no, no employee says that. No employee lives like that. No employee is content. They always talk about raising the minimum wage. It's not about the minimum wage. It's about all wages. Everybody's like, this is, this is ain't enough. And that's people don't realize. Like, if you raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks, well, now the person that's making 15 bucks wants to make 20 bucks. The person making 20 bucks wants to make 25. First make it 25, wants to make 35. It's like the all wages, all wages in America are low. All wages in California are low, especially compared to the cost of living. And so it's just, it's one thing to think these things. It's another to actually live it. And I'm living it. I'm just so surprised. I don't even spend money anymore. But I look at stuff and I'm like, I could get that if I wanted to. I could get this watch I'm looking at right here. But I couldn't get it if I just kept hustling and working the job. And that's why I told my wife, I'm like, I'm not, if I'm leaving the job, I'm actually walking this into greater things. The reason why I was able to even propel this business is because I stopped working the job. I stopped letting them rob me of my time. If, if we didn't have the job, I'd have so much more done. The reason, why we to go to, the reason why I'm able to go to Detroit is because we don't have to go to work on Monday. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to just take advantage of this, this three-day weekend, fly out Saturday, come home on Monday. But imagine if I could hit two locations in a week. Imagine if I could be back in Atlanta this week working on the truck. I could if I didn't have a job to go to, but I can't seeing as though I'm here. I got right back on the flight, be right back in Atlanta. So they're stealing us. They're robbing us of our time. They're robbing us of our wealth. And they live the life that they want. If you look at your boss, don't look at the managers. Look at the boss. He is well off. My Mm -hmm. father-in-law always talks about how well off his boss is. 
He was like, man, he got a Tesla. He got him a house in the hills. I was like, yeah, I don't want to live like that. I want to live like that. Uh, and that's why I do boss stuff. That's why I'm focused on being the owner because I want to live like that. I saw a tweet from the money realtor and she was like, I have to go so hard and do these things that I want because I can't not live how I want to live. There's a lifestyle that I want to live. And I realized that job ain't it. It's, and and I work in law and I still realize it ain't it. The cologne alone that you buy, brother. Yeah. I don't think I've ever yeah. even heard of that cologne until they saw you posting about it. I, I'm, Which I'll one? Admit it. I admit it. I admit it, man. I mean, I've the heard of the talk. Yeah, bond number nine. I've heard of Tom Ford. I know that's expensive, but bond number nine. I've never even heard of that. Not a big cologne anyway, but bond number nine. I never even heard of it until you started posting it. You said bond number nine. That's my favorite scent. <laughs> they have some good stuff. Not gonna lie. I mean, now I'm thinking like most people hey, never heard of a Panerai either. So yeah, I might have heard of that before. Maybe, maybe. But now, you know, now, now I'm thinking about going to the store and. Get some bond number nine. Get some bond. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and spray it on the spray it on me, baby. Let me smell that stuff. I ain't go to Macy's. Macy's is obnoxious with the perfume and the, the cologne. But they, they don't sell bond number nine at Macy's. You gotta buy it at no. like uh you gotta buy it at like Saks, I believe. Cool. Maybe name it Marcus. Cool. I know not to go to Macy's. Maybe that's why this stock is down. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. So, oh, damn, I was going to ask you about something else. But um, you had a tweet saying, the world needs your business, not your job. So I was, um, I was at Starbucks this morning, and I was just chilling in Starbucks, and I saw somebody walk in and kind of glanced back. <laughs> and like, he kept going, and he glanced back. And then he, and he like turns around and he like walks up to me. He's like, are you, you, uh, you, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm him. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was like, he was like, man, this is like a surreal moment. He's like, I listened to everything you put out. I bought the vending machine course, blah, blah, blah. He's like, let me get my thoughts in order. Cause I have like a lot of questions I want to ask you and I want to make sure I go in order and I don't miss anything. And after I kind of talked to him, I was walking back to the office and I was like, these folks don't realize I'm a real life superhero. Like I'm literally changing the world. I have an impact that reaches the world. And the job does not allow me to do that because you're so restricted. But my business reaches the world. My business helps black people in real life build wealth, create assets that they can pass down to their kids. The stuff that I share it might seem like, oh, he's bragging. Like, no, that's inspiration to somebody to see that there's somebody out there who's just creating wealth for his son. There's somebody out there who is doing all these different things. Like, that's inspiration for other people. And I can't get there without a business. I got a, a DM from a girl and she was like, hey, um, I work for a bank and I'm not sure if I can actually trade in stocks. And I was like, you probably can't. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I used to work in banking and I know like you have to, they want you to hold a position for 30 days. You can't be in and out of a position. And granted, that's typically if you're an actual investment advisory role, not just like a teller or maybe even a personal banker. But if you're like what I was, which is like a licensed banker, licensed personal banker, private banker, all that kind of stuff. They put, they put the clamps down on that. And they also put the clamps down on what you can share and what you can talk about on social media. Right. And what's frustrating is you limit your reach and all the people that you could be helping because you're so focused on yourself and you're so focused on that job and just getting a paycheck. Your paycheck does not provide for anybody else, but your business does. My business pays a lot of people. It pays myself. It pays my mom. It pays my wife. It pays my son. All of one business. And also not only that, but the lives we've changed. We've changed a ton of lives. We've educated and shared the stories of a ton of people. We've given exposure to other people. It's not even just my customers. It's the everyday people who they tell me like, you posted me. And from that post, I got 200 followers. From that post, I got all these sales. I've never gotten that many sales. That's what my business does. So that's just Charles's business. Imagine if we all had one of those. Imagine if we all were out here giving our value to the world. Imagine if we all were out here giving us information that could change lives. Imagine if we're all out here creating jobs, if we're all out here creating things that take care of everybody in our family, everybody will be straight. Everybody will be good. 
I see the, the Asian business numbers and I take it as a challenge. I don't take it as a mountain. I'm like, okay, we could do that too. We could do that too. But we just got to, we got to start building. We can't let these, these naysayers, these ideas and these limited beliefs get in our way. Because on the other side of your business, it's changed for everybody. On the other side of your job, it's probably just a bunch of disappointment. A lot of people out here disappointed and frustrated. And the thing is, it's like, I was also thinking about this because in downtown LA, you see a lot of people who are homeless. And a lot of times we equate homeless, we equate homeless with homelessness without ha- with not having a job. And I don't think that's what homelessness is. I think homelessness is just not being productive. What are you producing? What are you selling? What are you doing? You could be up there sweeping the streets. You could be up there selling flowers. You could be out there selling water. You could be doing something, but are you productive? And so for me, I'm like, okay, if I leave the job, it's like, when I don't got a job. And so psychologically, you feel like, oh, now I don't have any income. Now I'm broke. Like, no, I'm going to still do activity that leads towards income. I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to create content. I'm going to talk to lenders. I'm going to shop deals. I'm going to put together packages so I can actually start bringing in investors to do things like that. Like, that's what it becomes. But it's just all me. I also had this thought and I was like, it's so crazy how, because I'm looking at two apartment complexes in St. Louis. And I was like, you know what's crazy is if I buy one of these deals, one's a 14 unit, the other's a 16 unit. Not only am I creating income, but it's like permanent income for my family. And so I do the work, I create permanent income for my family, not my job. The work that I do today on the job is just good for that day. But every day that I put work into my business is actually for my son and it's actually for his son. And that's the trade-off. We're giving away legacy for some income for the moment. We're giving away legacy for a raise, for a promotion, for a title, legacy, generational wealth, the stuff that everybody talks about wanting. Yeah, that's what happens when you start buying things and owning things and managing things. Yeah, you don't need, you don't get uh you don't get dividends on your paycheck. Like you do the work, maybe two weeks later you get a paycheck, but you can't do the work and get paid for it in perpetuity. There is no royalties, there's no dividends on the work you do at a regular job. You do the work, two weeks later you get a paycheck and you get to keep your job. Yeah, but congrats, you get to keep your job. <laughs> that's, what, no that's what they like to talk to. They were like, You get to keep your job. Like, okay, thanks, Massa. There's Another no- thing I was talking about is a lot of times I'm in the office because my motivation is kind of falling and they'll like walk by and they'll give me this look like work hard, a boy. And I was like, that's how it is when you're a slave. Like when you're a slave, like they really used to be like telling folks like work harder. Like you need to bring in more cotton. Like, man, we out. Harriet Tubman, Harriet Millie. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Raphael, take us out, man. Yeah, man. So it's episode 67. Shout out to the advertisers. Shout out to investasateam.com, home of the official merch of Generational Wealth, where you can find the ever popular You Can't Fire Me, The Boss t-shirt, investasateam.com. Also, shout out to Get Lace Laces. Gotta upgrade your laces, baby. You can't have premium cakes and not have premium laces. Also, we just got some Thai Capital Get Lace Laces. So uh, we got a little collab mm. going. So check those out. They should be on the site soon. It's going down. It's going down at getlacelaces.com, baby. Be sure to check out all the products at ThaiCapital.co, which you can also find in the show notes. You can find all our links in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow myself, Raphael, at WorkMoneyLife on Twitter. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Follow the show on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also, the Todd Capital Company Instagram at Todd.Capital and the nonprofit at Bless a Black Man on Instagram. Be sure to check out our upcoming ebook called Don't Be a Little B, Start a Little Business at gumroad.com slash talk. Check out the new REAP Money course from Todd Capital, the new How to Start. Get Started in Real Estate Course from Todd Capital and Mr. Renaissance. Check out the product, baby. All the links will be in the show notes. Nobody has that. more product than me. They already <laughs> don't. They already don't. Get your views luggage. Nobody really has any more luggage, any more product than you do. Master P in this thing. <laughs> so I'm going to... Oh, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and rate us. 
you know, we will be on some more platforms soon. Talk about that next time. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. Um, okay, so I'll leave you with one last tweet from Charles. Charles said, please, please, please start a business. For episode 67 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Peace. Yes, sir. What's good, Tweet Talk Podcast listener? This is Donald the Voice, the official editor and producer of the Tweet Talk Podcast. And so I want to come to you to tell you that for the entire month of October, I'm doing a 50% off promo. That's right. I'm slashing the prices 50% off. Donald, why would you do that? Well, it's because doggone it, it's quarter four. And I know some of y'all are ready to get ahead of this 2021 momentum. And so I'm here to help you. So head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. Go over to the contact tab or you can hit me up on Instagram at Donald the Voice. Mention this promo and let's begin talking about your podcast editing, video editing, or voiceover editing needs. That's all I got to say. 50% off. Let's get it. Let's go. Have a good rest of the day. Keep building, baby. Keep building. That's what it is.